Jr., Cleveland Browns left tackle, and you're listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me, I am joined by my co-host, Jack Vanwater. Hello, hello. How you doing, John? Good, man. I'm excited to be back on the mic. We have a normal episode today for you guys, a Browns episode, an update, kind of an outlook for this season. They just played in week one, and obviously, Jack, it didn't go how we all wanted it to go. Yeah, you know, obviously, most of you know Browns lose to the Chiefs 33-29, and that was a, that was a like you said, that was a disappointing game. I think we all know that we had a real chance to beat the Chiefs, and I think we played, you know, three quarters of really good football, but obviously... To beat a team like the Chiefs, to the defending AFC champions, you got to play a full 60 minutes of football at the highest level you can, and we didn't do that, and we lost by four points, so that's really tough. I'll ask you this. Are you more encouraged or discouraged by that game as far as a Brown, like from a Browns perspective? You know, like obviously it's upsetting and everything just looking at it, but it's week one of now 17 weeks. You have 16 more opportunities to go clean it up and then go face the Chiefs in the playoffs again. I'm, I'm really encouraged by that game because, I mean, for three quarters, the Browns were winning that game. And in reality, they only lost by four points to a Chiefs team where Tyreek Hill put up 197 yards. Now, obviously the defense has to clean up their act, but... The, the Browns are promising, Jack. Like, this team can compete, and they can compete with the best of them. Yeah, I, I cannot say that I'm discouraged by that game just because, like, I think for, you know, the Browns honestly looked like the better team. Like, you take the the turnovers out of it, and I know that's obviously a part of the game, but, you know, offensively we couldn't be stopped at least until the fourth quarter where we kind of melted down a little bit. And then defensively, at least in the first half, you know, holding the Chiefs to 10 points is a really good accomplishment. Impressive. So, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I, it's it's so it's such a tough loss, though, because, like, I mean, like you said, the Browns played so well. So let me ask you this real quick, Jack. Michael yeah. Irvin on first take, I know you watched this, said Cleveland will never beat Kansas City without OBJ. What are your thoughts on that statement? My thoughts are that he did not watch the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was like the most ludicrous take I've ever heard. And I had I had to throw this in here because Michael Irvin, like, yeah, so I think his explanation for that statement was that the Browns weren't explosive enough. And I just, I just want to know what game he was watching because Anthony Schwartz looked incredible. Baker averaged 11.5 yards per throw, which I think is one of the highest marks he's ever recorded in the game. And this offense looked incredibly explosive. You know, I I, I see what he's saying in the sense that, like, you know, you got to have more threats to match the Chiefs kind of thing. But, yeah, terrible right, take. Right. I, I don't think he watched the game. Like, you watch your best players in a game versus the Chiefs, but that wasn't the reality for the Browns. It was probably a good idea that they weren't rushing OBJ back, and we'll talk a little bit more about him specifically coming up soon. But, like, on the explosiveness side, Baker averaged 11.5 yards per attempt, which is awesome for him. He, he's usually more of a shorter passer. 
And then you have guys like Njoku with a reception long of 43 yards. Anthony Schwartz with 44 yards. He had three catches for 69 yards, which if you do the math, Michael, it's 23 yards per reception, which is awesome. And then even Schwartz, on the other hand, when you give him like a little run, he has a run for 17 yards. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, not everyone has Tyreek Hill where you can just throw the ball up and have a 75-yard touchdown. And for any other team, that's really, really explosive what the Browns did. Yeah, 100%. And I thought I was really impressed by Anthony Schwartz stepping in for Odell and, and also with David Njoku, who I think I think sneakily might be our best tight end. Dude, I freaking love Njoku. Like, he, in my opinion, he's 100% our tight end. Now, I do, I do have to give props to Austin Hooper. I've, I've not been so positive on his end, but in that first quarter, I mean, he was doing everything for us. He was blocking. He was making a lot of receptions. And then Njoku kind of took over, and that's that's the good thing about having multiple good tight ends. You know, you don't have to rely on one guy's back in the entire game. You can go from someone like Hooper, then go to Njoku, and maybe hopefully Harrison Bryant in the future. But yeah, I mean Hooper Hooper did play well, but I I love Njoku. He's so athletic. He can get open. I mean, even he was explosive in terms of Michael Irvin. Like, he he averaged 25.3 yards per reception. That was more than Anthony Schwartz. So, like, he also had a fantastic game. And he's definitely someone that I would love to see the Browns extend and, you know, have here for the future. Absolutely. So, getting into a couple news and headlines, we're going to start it off with Anthony Walker being placed on the IR. He's expected to miss about three weeks, which is the minimum amount of time that you have to sit out if you're being placed on the injured reserve. You know, what? our linebacker core is even thinner than it already was, um, and Anthony Walker was a real vocal leader of that defense. You know, who's going to be, who's going to step into that role now? Well, I mean, to start things off, kind of avoiding the question for a second, I said to you yesterday, the Browns are the first team with Super Bowl aspirations to not have a linebacker on their roster, and it's getting more true by the day. Jacob Phillips, who's a middle linebacker, is already probably out for the season with his pectoral or bicep injury. Now you're missing Anthony Walker, who played 95% of the snaps last week against the Chiefs, your middle linebacker, who is the captain of your defense. So who calls the plays now? I think the main guy that you go to is John Johnson the third, and yes, he's new, but Anthony Walker Jr. was also new this year, so you know you're gonna put the plays on a guy who just came here again. But John Johnson the third, the beauty of that is that he called the plays for the L.A. Rams, who were one of the best defenses in the NFL. So, I mean, it sucks having Anthony Walker Jr. out, and it's definitely a big hit to our defense, but in terms of calling plays, you have just as good of a leadership with John Johnson III now. Yeah, I agree, and it seems like he's really won over the locker room as far as, you know, really connecting with this team and, and integrating himself as part of this this community. So, I you know, I know he's new, but I think John Johnson could absolutely take over that role. But that's, that's a big thing to kind of watch and pay attention to because as this defense grows and matures that chemistry and you know who is kind of the vocal leader is something that's going to be really important for the Browns to step it up right. on the defensive side of the ball. And let me um, let me chime in real yeah, quick too. John Johnson the third is here on that three year deal for thirty three million dollars. Anthony Walker Jr. is here on a one year deal. It may not be the worst thing to have John Johnson the third calling the plays 
because the likelihood of Anthony Walker Jr. being back next year compared to John Johnson III is very, very slim. So it may not be a bad thing for the future of the Browns. You just don't want to see your main signal caller go out after week one. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Moving on, we had the NFL debut of Grant Delpit. Ronnie, oh my gosh, Ronnie Harrison made that boneheaded play in like the first like minute second of the, game. of the game. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was ridiculous. And look, I mean, I I know tensions are high, but that's something that I think the Browns gotta gotta learn. I mean, you had that Miles Garrett thing a couple years ago. Like, you just gotta be yeah, more mature than that. That, that was just so so dumb by Ronnie Harrison and I, I like Ronnie I mean he's a ball player and he's got immense swag bro like mm-hmm. the hot Cheetos hair yeah the hot, hot Cheetos hair grill in and everything I mean to his defense the coach is not allowed to touch a player on the opposing team that coach should be suspended or fined in some yeah. capacity but it just uh, like don't retaliate like I know he was pushed into the Chiefs player but just walk away it's not worth it and hopefully he learned his lesson from that but the first point you made, Grant Delpit, dude. I'm really excited to see his debut. That was the Browns' second rounder two years ago. And, you know, he won the Thorpe Award for the best defensive back in all of college football. And I'm really excited to see it. And it, it's really going to help our safety depth back there, too, because, you know, he's a really athletic playmaker. Yeah, that's going to be huge. That's going to be something to watch. And, I, I mean, I, it's hard to say how his career is trending at this point, coming off of that Achilles last year. He's going to need a, a, a good performance, I think, to uh, to kind of, you know, solidify his draft capital. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's but, not. he may not play, like, a ton, but, like, if we can see a slow buildup yeah. of him kind of, like, getting into the swing of things and getting back to football after not playing for almost two years, like, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, it'll be really fun. Okay, so Odell Beckham Jr. is out for week two. They just announced... I, I think this is probably a little bit more of a safety thing because I think the Browns are pretty confident that they can beat the Texans without OBJ. I think if we were playing a good team, I think Odell probably plays in this game. Yeah, no, I, I like this. I mean, after going through the whole ACL process, you realize like how tricky it is to come back. And the fact that he's coming back into a live NFL game after not playing since last October after not getting hit or doing contact drills all the way throughout the summer, through training camp, through last week, I think it's the best option that they go like on the precautionary route and you know hold him out till he, till he's a hundred percent, till he takes some hits in practice. I like it. I think that the younger guys like DPJ and Anthony Schwartz will step up in his place. And like you said, it's a game against the Texans too. So would it be worth it to bring him back in a game and then maybe he gets hurt or? you know, kind of stung up a bit. Yeah, and, and Anthony Schwartz, you know, Odell was a game-time decision for some Chiefs, and Anthony Schwartz, I think Alex Van Pelt said that he kind of stepped into uh, Odell's role Yeah, they were the snaps and everything. Yeah, they were kind of expecting Odell to maybe play, so they had a game plan for him, and they had like a limited tiny package for Anthony Schwartz, but once Odell went through the whole pregame and, you know, they held him out, Anthony Schwartz went and <laughs> took Odell's snaps, took his plays. And I think he did pretty damn well, too. Yeah, for someone making their NFL debut, that was a hell of a start. All right, Malik McDowell balls out in his NFL debut. He was drafted 35th overall by the Seahawks in 2017, but never played a game for them. Andrew Barry, work 
showing his wizardry again with this one. Yeah, talk about an NFL debut, Jack. He made a tackle for a loss on the first drive. I mean, he just exploded through the middle of the line and got your boy Clyde Edwards-Hilaire down in the backfield. I mean, this is an awesome pickup so far. We obviously have to see, will it last? How can he string together a full 17-game season? But so far, this looks great. I mean, this dude's like 6'6", 320. He's the biggest guy on our line. He's bigger bigger than Miles Garrett. And he played great, especially versus the run. And that's something the Browns really struggle with on the interior of their defensive line. So I love this so far. Props to Andrew Barry. He looks like a wizard so far. That could be huge for the Browns' defensive interior as we have struggled with that with the run defense. So this this past week, there was a, a fake Reuben Foster rumor going around following the Anthony Walker injury. That the, you know, the well, it was actually was, before the Anthony Walker oh, injury, and then Anthony that, Walker okay. got hurt. And everyone's like, oh my god. So Reuben Foster was reportedly going to work out for the Browns on Friday. And so that rumor was... Yeah, it was really fake. fake. Yeah, Joe Wood said he had no idea, like he hadn't heard of Reuben Foster coming. So if your defensive coordinator says he hasn't heard of a defensive player being worked out by a team, then it is wholeheartedly not true. Yeah. <laughs> Would I have minded Reuben Foster coming to work out for the Browns? Definitely not. Like, go see, go see where talent is. You know, figure it out. Like, don't leave a stone unflipped. But like. I mean, is he a troubled guy with a troubled past? Yes. Is would have been risky to go take a guy like him. Does it seem like it would make more sense now after your middle linebacker Anthony Walker Jr. goes out? Yeah, but I mean, it just sucks to get your hopes up like that and then just have it all not be true. Yeah, um, and kind of a follow up question to that is, you know, could the Ruben Foster even help the Browns, right? Like, he hasn't played, I don't think, since 2019 or even maybe even earlier than that. He uh, obviously had those the legal troubles in 2018 and then tore his ACL in 2019. And I don't think he's played since. You know, could Ruben Foster even be a, you know, a, a productive player? I mean, at this point in the season, I think it would be difficult for him to come in and make an immediate impact because, you know, you're coming into a new system, a new locker room. You have to learn the whole playbook, and then you get thrown into a role where, you know, your play caller was hurt. So it would probably be hard for Reuben Foster to make an impact. But if you put him more in the shoes of Malik McDowell, you know, you sign him in the spring. He goes through OTAs. He goes through mini camp. He goes through training camp. Then maybe he could come in and make an immediate impact. But right now, Reuben Foster, I don't know how big of an impact he would be able to make and that's not even his fault because you know you're just kind of thrown into a fire and you have to learn a whole NFL playbook which is definitely not an easy thing especially after not playing for two plus years right. so yeah that's that's tough could be interesting but I don't see much truth to that Jedrick Wills goes down versus the Chiefs with a with an injury um, he's kind of week to week James Hudson our, our rookie draft pick I think what was that a third round pick fourth round pick excuse me James Hudson might start at left tackle so we could see his debut which would be interesting I I mean that's that's a that's, I, I think even though that James Hudson is an interesting pick that's that's still a, a knock for the line yeah it's definitely a knock for the line I mean the one thing that they do have in their favor though is Jed was out at the beginning of the game 
And then after all of that, after Chris Hubbard coming and taking over at left tackle, they still ranked number one per PFF in line rankings. So, I mean, this line's still strong regardless of who you put there. But obviously, you don't want to see your left tackle go down with an injury. The Browns are honestly kind of lucky that it's nothing more than an ankle injury. Obviously, it sucks, too, to have your left tackle go down. But Jedrick Wills will be back. He will be healthy, which is good for the Browns. But in the meantime... Someone like James Hudson may play, and I don't know how confident I am in that because he did get kind of cut up in training camp, but he gets to depend on four other guys who are great. He gets to depend on an offensive line coach who is absolutely fantastic. So I trust that they'll make the right decision, and hopefully Jed you know, heals up and comes back as soon as he can. Yeah, and it's not a bad week to make your debut versus the Texans. I know the Texans... Blew out the Jaguars last week, but there's no. It's not a secret that they're not a great team. So that that'll be that'll be interesting to to watch. But back to one thing you did mention: Browns' offensive line ranked number one per PFF this past week, picking up right where they left off last year. Chubb and Hunt both averaged 5.5 yards per carry against the Kansas City Chiefs, which is just disgusting. I don't know how you lose the game when you have two running backs averaging 5.5 yards per carry, but kind of transitioning into the Texans Browns the Texans allowed 4.8 yards per carry to the Jaguars who you know are not a great offense so this is a kind of a recipe it's all brewing up for a monster game for Chubb and Hunt yeah what I think of is just that run that ice ceiling run that Chubb had last year versus the Texans last year when we played the Texans we beat them 10 to 7 guys and Obviously, I do not think the Browns will replicate that scoreboard because the weather conditions will, A, be better, and two, this offense is, you know, they're oiled up a lot better than they were at that point last year. So, you know, I th- I think they'll score a lot more, but I'm really expecting a huge game from, you know, Chubb and Hunt. Yeah. So, Texans at Browns, week two, the Texans, like like I said, they, they hung 37 on the Jaguars. Tyrod Taylor, former Browns quarterback for, like, all of two games, threw for 291 yards and two touchdowns, looked great in his Texans debut, looked like a completely different guy. Quickly, are the Texans underrated or are the Jags just that bad? And I want to mention this because Urban Meyer, the Ohio State, former Ohio State coach, is the head coach of the Jags. All right, I'm going to give you a kind of a shitty answer, but both, Jack, and let me explain why. The Texans are underrated because, you know, they did go out, Nick Casarios, the Mayfield alum, you know, he did go out and he signed a bunch, like, it literally signed, like, it seemed seemed like he, like, signed half the free agent pool, a ton of veterans. So, like, yes, these guys may not be star-studded names, but he went out and signed some guys who, you know, are decent, like Terrence Mitchell, for example, right? Or Christian Kirksey. So, like... I really don't think this team is that bad. Obviously, they're lacking the quarterback play of Deshaun Watson. Like, you know, your team takes a step up when you put him back into the lineup. But right. I, I genuinely don't think they're, like, bottom of the league bad. But obviously, they're never... I mean, this team does not have playoff hopes or anything. But the thing is, too, like, the Jags are also really bad. We played them in our first preseason game with all of our backups, and we beat them. We beat them with all of our yeah. backups and with the rookies. And they were playing and the they were playing the majority of their starters. This Jags team is just god-awful, man. Like, they're so bad. They're, and, and, yeah, and, you know, Urban Meyer, I think, came out and said that 
I don't know if he came out and said it or if it was just kind of a, a rumor, but that his heart wasn't into this job. I know that USC, University of Southern California football head coaching spot opened up, and I think there was rumors that he might leave the Jaguars. He said he wasn't interested. He said he wasn't interested. Well, all right. I mean, regardless, I, I do worry a little bit about Urban Meyer. You know, oh, man, I mean, I just don't think he is an NFL coach. And that's no not, not taken away from what he did in college. And I think he's a great college coach, but it's a different game. Well, you think he's getting cold feet? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I, it's, it's a weird situation. But uh, we'll, we'll, we're not, I'm not going to talk about this too much longer. But I agree. I think that I think the Texans, it probably is a mixture of both. I do think the Texans lack some star power, which is going to hold them back, and you'll we'll see this. And the Texans are going to lose a bunch of games, but but yeah, I mean they, they probably are a little bit underrated. A lot of those guys that they picked up are actually decent players. So well, another thing that I want to talk about is the return of Vincent Taylor. Yeah, the absolute boy, and that's an understatement. Vincent Taylor, who we had on the podcast last December when he was on the Browns is making his return to Cleveland, and I'm excited because he's just actually like a standout guy. It was super nice to Jack and I, so it would be cool to see him back in Cleveland. I wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, getting a tackle for a loss or even a sack. Just just don't hurt Baker Vincent. Even All right. One of his patented blocked field goals. Yeah, too. or a blocked field goal on Chase, on Chase McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, this Texas team – like we said, signed like half the free agents in the NFL last year. So <laughs> there's a ton of returning former Browns players in this game, including Vincent Taylor and Tarod Taylor. And then you have guys like Christian Kirksey, who was a longtime Browns favorite. Terrence Mitchell, Eric Murray, who he traded for the Chiefs from Emmanuel Ogba. Tavier Thomas, who was a standout on special teams for us. Farrell Brown and Justin McRae, one of John Dorsey's pickups. So, I mean, there's a lot of returning Browns. These guys might have some fire under them to show the Browns that they made a mistake of letting them go. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. Hopefully the Browns can take care of business, but that'll be fun. There's a ton of former Browns on the Texans, so there's definitely going to be some, some, you know, hopefully not hard feelings, but there's going to be some fire under their bellies, no doubt. All right, so we are recording this episode on the 18th, Saturday the 18th, so you the, the listeners probably will be hearing this after the Browns play the Texans, but we're going to give some score predictions and just a couple keys to the game. Do you want to go first, John, or do you want me to start? Yeah, you go. All right, so I think I got the Browns winning 38-17 in a, in a blowout here. Uh, I think the Browns are going to unleash some of that anger from the Chiefs game onto the, the Texans. I think the Texans' week one was a fluke against the, the Jaguars, who, like we said, are just a, they're like a high school team out there right now. And, yeah, I don't think this will be much of a, a game, to be honest. I agree. I don't think it will be a game. I think the Browns are going to come out, you know, with fire lit under their asses just because of what happened last week. They want to you know, kind of redo what they what went wrong. And I think they'll come out and smack the Texans around 35-10. to 35-10. So, yeah, two big blowouts. Any, I mean, keys to the game, I just think, will be really establishing the run. Yeah, getting that offensive line, it really seemed like they couldn't establish the run last week, even though they did average 5.5 yards per carry. It seemed like they were still struggling a bit. So, 
my biggest key is, you know, just getting that fluidity, you know, with the line and really establishing that run game that we had going really well last year. Yeah, I mean, I think another one is, I mean, really defensively, it'll be interesting to see because we need to work on the defense. Right. And I think getting pressure on the quarterback, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, they look good, not great. He's just finishing. Yeah, you, you got to really finish and... And and then yeah, I'm like one, and then once you get in the backfield, really be able to make that tackle. Tyrod Taylor's a mobile quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is a mobile quarterback. And you saw on that 75 yard Tyreek touchdown. I mean, the Browns had them had him for a loss, and, and Mahomes was able to escape and throw across his body while he's running out of bounds, and it turned into a 75 yard touchdown. So being able to kind of contain and, and finish that is is huge. So. Yeah, hopefully the Browns can get to 1-1 one and one this week. I definitely think they will. I know Jack does too. But really, that's all we have for you guys today. So if you listen this far, thank you for tuning in. If you listen for a minute and you don't even hear us, thank you for tuning in. But we appreciate you guys. We're excited for this Browns team, you know, to get back to it, to start at home. So thank you guys. Thank you, Jack. And we will... Yeah, if you... If you- if you don't follow us on Twitter at hottest underscore take pod, make sure to do that. You can talk to us. We always interact with the fans, and you can even get a couple questions answered on the pod, maybe. I think that's it for the episode. Yeah, stay hot, our friends. Peace. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Cold Melody on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.